Welcome to episode 67 of Contested Catch. We are back after a little holiday and travel impacted stretch there, Uh, but we're here for our week 13 preview and we're glad to be here. We got a great show for you today. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about looking back at Thanksgiving in week 12 and of course looking ahead to week 13 as well. So without further ado, Jeff, it's great to see you again, my friend. How are you? How was your vacation? Hello. It is officially week 13 now. Is that confirmed? I think so. I think I think the Ravens Steelers game got played. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I know thought, they were I trying so. their best to make it a yeah. Week 13 game, but yeah, we're happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Never thought this day would come. No. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on uh, beating me for one final uh, push of the knife into my belly this season. I had a great. <laughs> I had a great week. Thought. You did, know, you did thought, thought good, I had a great. You great did not week. go down. Do not go down lightly. But go ahead and have your your victory lap oh, moment here. Congratulations, yes, I mean, you, you made the playoffs. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Young Wei Koo is uh, you know the best kicker in the NFL. Uh, of course, my, I mean you had a great week. You had Mahomes and you had Antonio Gibson, but um, I don't know. Austin Eckler coming back was absolutely huge. Obviously, Decatur and Metcalf is you know just the absolute rock. And yeah, it was just a great all around team performance, despite, except for my quarterback situation. And now I'm putting my hopes into Mitch Trubisky there for the playoffs. There you go, man. <laughs> that is, uh, that's rough. I mean, I'm, you know, as we've said, I'm in the exact same boat with Cam Newton in a couple of leagues. Um, I'm starting Taysom over him. I should have done that and last week. Yeah. It's tough. It really is tough to know. It's a coin um, flip. Well, anyway, uh, a team that is doing well is the Scott Fishbowl team Ooh, that's doing that well. uh, is representing Contested Catch. Yeah, so very, very happy with the results of this team. Um, we're 87th at the end of the regular season, um, and that includes a Week 13 bye as we are now in the playoffs. So, And what is the size uh, of this um, league tournament? 1,440 teams. 87th out of 1,440 teams. Yeah, and, and you know, if you didn't catch any of the earlier episodes, this is the Scott Fish Bowl is a really interesting, very cool event that is put on. It's usually the thing that kicks off the fantasy season as well. Uh, it's for a great cause, and it also uh, is very fun to compete in because it's analysts and celebrities and fans um, all competing in the same tournament. So obviously, I was very excited for the opportunity to compete against some of the guys that Jeff and I talk about and and talk with on this show. So. Um, we're hoping that the momentum continues and that we can have a good showing here as we wrap up that tournament. Um, and yeah, you know, that team, you know, in case in case you didn't catch it before, that team is headlined by Alvin Kamara, DK Metcalf, Allen Robinson, Tyreek Hill. Uh, we went heavy RB, heavy wide receiver, basically for the first like nine rounds. And then late quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, RIP, um, late tight end. Um, we had, who is it? It was CJ Uzama and, um, Blake Team Jarwin sample, both right? got, well, no, he, we picked him up oh, after, yeah, uh, yeah. CJ Uzama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just that both of our late round tight ends got injured. And like, like Blake Jarwin play. was a great process play. Agreed. Agreed. I'm very excited, uh, to talk about process plays, uh, at the end of the season. I've got a lot on my mind about process, things that process over results always. Yeah. I really think so, man. I mean, I've got some that I'm just like, I can privately say I was right. <laughs> and it just, there was slight variation that, that changed why I ended up looking wrong. But anyway, 
without without further ado, Jeff, let's get into our week 12 takeaways. Two guys I just mentioned that are on the SF, SFBX squad absolutely erupted. Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf. Now, the, the press is going to give more attention to Tyreek Hill, and I, I would say that's pretty deserved uh, after eviscerating the Bucks defense in the first quarter for 200 yards and two touchdowns. That's in one quarter. Not just one quarter, but the first quarter. So, you know, the Chiefs went off to an early 17-0 lead, uh, continued to look good in the second quarter, and then all of a sudden they slowed down and they let the Bucks cover. That sucked. I could not believe that. But anyway... Tyreek Hill had a great game, uh, record-setting game, 269 yards, three touchdowns. Um, but this is the thing. With, with that monster game, he still had a lower rock score than DK Metcalf. Now, DK Metcalf had a great game himself. He torched Darius Slay, uh, 10 catches, 177 yards. And the real thing was DK's rock was really, really boosted by the fact that he had a 77% air yard share and a 38% target share. Those are just crazy numbers. And so anyway, th- the point is, you know, we already knew Tyreek Hill was a top five, not top three wide receiver. DK Metcalf is in that conversation now as well. Um, so really, really good stuff there. I mean, if if we were to if we were to redraft wide receivers right now for the 2021 wide receivers, um, it's probably Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and then DK at number three. Yeah, I have no no issues with that. I mean, he's just been there is not a player that has been more steadily awesome every single week than him. Um, yeah, and just like he hasn't really improving. Oh, yeah. And, and fun to watch. Yeah. And obviously the the stack with Russ has been amazing, too, because Russ has just been so stellar that if you're stacking those two, you, you're winning a lot. <laughs> Jeff, another week 12 takeaway here is that Allen Robinson is back and balling with Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, it's this the splits are pretty good in, in Trubisky's favor. That is in terms of. Uh, his impact on Allen Robinson. And, you know, I'd been talking about my concern about the lack of volume that felt like the thing that kept his floor so high was that regardless of the quarterback situation, he was getting volume and we already know the talents there. So the volume wasn't there for a few weeks. Well, now it's back. He is back uh, 13th and rock the last three weeks. Uh, Just future note, that is the sample that we're using whenever we reference rock on this show today. So Three last three weeks, he's 13th in rock, and it's a noticeable and important increase from weeks past. Uh, very, very strong effort in week 12 with two touchdowns. So, I guess Allen Robinson's back in the you know high floor wide receiver two situation. Am I correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's absolutely in that like high end wide receiver two situation, um, if not wide receiver one. And I mean, honestly, I just don't get why the Chicago Bears have plays that aren't passes to Allen Robinson. <laughs> I always love when you say that. No, that's like, a good point. They they don't have another an offense outside of him. So like, and honestly, like aside from just keeping the defense like, a little bit honest and giving him a breather, I don't know why he he should be getting twenty to twenty five targets a game. Yep, I think that's pretty fair. Um, well, another guy who went off in week twelve is Debo Samuel, and he is back as well. So he comes back from the injury. He erupts for 11 catches, 133 yards on 13 targets. Absolutely dominated. 36% target share. Um, But this is the crazy thing, Jeff. He had a total of eight air yards in week 12. 133 receiving yards and only eight air yards. But, you know, so if you're just looking at this, the indicators, typically we would say this is not very good. I mean, his rock score is not great. Despite the 36% target share, you know, that would typically elevate people 
uh, you know, way up there in terms of rock score, but it's not because his air yard share is like sub 10%. And that's just the way that this offense runs. So to me, Jeff, I am not concerned about Debo Samuel. In fact, I'm encouraged because we already know that he runs like a running back when he's out in the open field. He is hard to bring down. He gets extra yards every single time he touches the ball. And also Kyle Shanahan makes his living off of scheming touches for players like Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk is likely to be back soon. Uh, but I'm that is almost even better because Debo Samuel is not going to be phased by the presence of Brandon Ayuk. I think that they can both coexist. Uh, and Nick Mullins is also given some very positive indicators. So I'm encouraged about Debo Samuel. How do you feel, Jeff, about firing him up as a low end wide receiver two going into the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, uh, Ayuk doesn't really concern me. And there's some noise that Kittle could be back, although I doubt it. Um, some quick quick stat here using the next gen stats uh which is the nfl's tracking data using their expected yards after catch model uh debo leads the nfl at 8.4 expected yak per reception the next closest is michael pittman at 6.4 um i mean that's really shows like i mean to me that's more a lot more indicative of the offense and the scheme that shanahan's drawing up um but like even some like Devontae Adams is down at 5.6 and his yak plus or minus like over expected still is number one in the NFL at 4.6 followed closely by yak King, AJ Brown. I still, <laughs> I mean, AJ Brown is still the best yak receiver in the NFL. He's only looking at 3.7 expected yak per reception. Um, uh, I mean, there's a very strong case. Debo Samuel is the second best yak receiver in the league right now. I feel great about that statement, that that top two ranking right there, because we already know that AJ Brown. I mean, AJ Brown is just impossible to tackle. Yeah, I mean, here's so it's four point six for Debo, four point one for AJ Brown, and then the next closest are Justin Jefferson and Terry McLaurin at two point one. So we're going four point one <laughs> down to two point one. It's really not even a is, conversation. Um, yak over expected per catch. So yeah, so that's just that's just stupid. They are in their own tier, and you know, I think AJ Brown has earned the top spot there and he just continues to make enormous enormous plays out of really not much yeah great players and i'm, I'm really glad to see debo doing well because i was a big fan of him obviously just as a prospect and as a player as a south carolina fan but also coming into this year uh despite the injuries and so um anyway uh another guy that came back from injury jeff this is a guy that you're a big fan of you know i recognize the talent for sure and that's austin eckler uh his return was incredible for him and terrible for Keenan Allen. So Austin Eckler, just looking at week 12, Austin Eckler was 34th in rock and Keenan Allen was 33rd. So the fact that they're even that close speaks volumes to the level of volume that Eckler saw. Because remember, the rock is not kind of the running backs typically because they do not get a lot of air yards and therefore uh, they just need to compensate that with a high target share. Well, luckily he did. He had 29% target share in week 12 and only 20% for Keenan Allen. So Jeff, you know, I think the takeaway is clear that Austin Eckler is is who we thought he was, right? He's back. And even in a game where they were probably reason, a reasonable expectation was that he was not going to see the full volume that he normally would. He saw a lot of volume. So I think the takeaway on Eckler is clear. I want to see what you think about Keenan Allen, who was previously seeing like top five volume. I mean, like I have no qualms with saying it with believing that Keenan Allen's at a wide receiver one, especially the way Justin Herbert's playing. And then Eckler comes in and does this. So is this just a blip? Uh, should we be concerned about Keenan Allen at all? It's a little bit of both. I think that we will see a little bit of drop in production over the rest of season. 
particularly the next game against New England. But then the next three games are Atlanta, the Raiders, and the Broncos. So consider the opponents that they just played, and then this week, the Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick and Sean McDermott with two fantastic secondaries and some fantastic corners. I really think that the the Bills and McDermott were like wanted to shut down Allen and were content allowing the drop-off passes to Eckler. I think Bill Belichick will have a similar scheme and have the players to do it. But then the next three games, I think we will see a, you know, back to wide receiver one production of Keenan Allen. And that's not even to say he is going to be like blank, you know, put up a donut against New England. I just think that we'll probably see a little bit more of that Eckler um, having the higher ratio. But I think those last three games, weeks 14, 15, 16, fantasy playoffs, I don't think there will be anything to worry about. I mean, Herbert has a big arm. He likes to throw it downfield. Um, I, I would not be concerned. Yeah, I mean, it, it just bodes really well for him because he is a player like Kamara who is capable of of making people miss beyond line of scrimmage, right? Like as a receiver, as a route runner. Um, so that's encouraging that he's not limited to just these little checkdowns. Like, I mean, no offense to him, but James Robinson is not the kind of player that you would necessarily say, oh, I feel good about him running, you know, uh, a route that is more of a wide receiver route than a running back route. So it's good about that. But it's also good that this offense is pretty vertical at this point. And that means that the defense is stressed vertically. That leaves a lot more space underneath for a player like Austin Eckler. So it's no surprise that Justin Herbert can still produce big fantasy weeks, uh, you know, when, with this offense. But also Austin Eckler can still survive as the checkdown option of all checkdown options. So. Very encouraging. I do agree with your take on Keenan Allen as well. I mean, he's still a great player. He still is talented enough to produce with not elite volume. But, you know, who's to say that they can't both get elite volume? We will see. Okay. So, Jeff, it's easy to forget since it was so long ago. I mean, we're talking over a week now. But Antonio Gibson dominated Dallas once again. Now, reminder, all the way back in week seven, right before the bye, Jeff, you actually called this would be his breakout performance. So, you know, I'm very happy about this. Uh, 20 carries, 128 yards and a touchdown, no catches, uh, in the week seven defeat of Dallas. I believe they won that game comes out of the bye. He has not scored. Uh, he has not, not scored a touchdown in his last five games. He has also had a pretty healthy receiving role when we were really concerned about, um, JD McKissick's rise in that department, but he topped it off in week 12 against Dallas. Again, 20 carries, 115 yards, three touchdowns. And then five catches, 21 yards on seven targets. I mean, the volume is there. The efficiency is there. The touchdowns are there. He's he's just been unbelievable. I mean, he's got eight, he got eight rushing touchdowns in his last five games. He's also got a pretty solid receiving role still. And the volume is just upward trend. So, Jeff, is it time to officially say that he's a legit RB1? 100%. Um, I'm already branding him as a top six pick in 2021. I love that. Um, obviously, I'm very optimistic about the player. I was a big fan of him as a prospect. Um, I, I honestly can't even believe the touchdown equity he's getting. I mean, 11, 11 touchdowns in, in 11 games, I think it's pretty startling considering we knew that this team was going to have a quarterback uh, carousel back there. We knew this team was not super strong in the offensive line. And we also knew uh, after the first couple of weeks that JD McKissick and Peyton Barber were still going to get some. So the fact, and especially with, with JD McKissick's, uh, really, really voluminous receiving role, uh, in, in the most recent weeks, I think this is 
I mean, maybe not surprised, but I think he's probably outperforming um, what he's been able to do. But I also am not that surprised because, you know, he's a big freaking dude. He runs very fast and he's very physical and his elusiveness that was like generational elite in college. Sorry for using that word generational, but still it was unbelievable has carried over to the pros. I mean, he's fifth ranked uh, half PPR running back right now. So I'm, I'm on cloud nine about Antonio Gibson. Um, okay, let's wrap up the segment, Jeff, with a bang. And I'm going to give you the floor. It's time to talk about Young Way Koo. Mm-hmm. The number one kicker in fantasy right now. Um, he had an absolutely stellar week 12 performance, most of which came after taking a dirty late hit that clearly left him a little banged up, but his performance would have left him as either QB five or QB six. Um, if that, if you could have played him there in week 12, uh, depending on your scoring format, um, he added an estimated 15% win probability this past week. On oh, on the season, the total win probability added is worth that of approximately a second round pick. This is the young way. This is the young way. Obviously, a Mandalorian reference. No spoilers. I haven't watched season two. Wait, uh, any? Very excited. Any to of it. season two? Any. No, you want to know why? Uh, I didn't finish season one. <laughs> <laughs> I got sidetracked. When I was binging that and didn't finish the binge, oh, man, dude, so. it's such an easy binge though because the most of the episodes yeah they're are, so short yeah they're short like you could just turn on well you could watch three or four of them in two hours yeah no I'm I'm gonna I'm planning to watch the entirety of season one and season two <laughs> in almost well, one I mean, you're gonna have to uh, stay out of the group chat on Monday I think. Is that the season finale? No, no, no. We just said that just we'll, a, we'll keep, something big happening. No, we're saying that we'll keep all spoilers out of the group chat. We're saying you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday to watch the episode, and then come Monday, um, spoilers for the most recent episode are allowed. That's that's just what we decided. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, anyways, as we wrap up that part, uh, also shout out Seth Perry, good friend of ours. Um, Seth's a fan of the show, also um, has been in my ear about being able to predict good kickers in fantasy this year. And guess what? His his darling angel has been Young Way Koo. Uh, and so he was very happy with the performance that Young Way put up this week. So I just want to shout Seth out. Um, okay, moving along here, Jeff. Let's move over to the rock takeaway section. So again, we're looking at the last three weeks. This is where it gets really impactful because we feel like we've got a really good sense of what happened early in the year. And now we can see a, a pretty clear, decisive trend uh, as we approach fantasy playoffs. Obviously, this is these are the crunch weeks. These are the pivotal moments. So uh, to no one's surprise, Tyreek Hill leads the league in Rock the last three weeks. His week 12 outburst, which we already talked about, was amazing. Only topped top by DK Metcalf in terms of opportunity. Uh, it can't be sustained, but at least we can be confident that it's a confluence of volume and talent and not just one or the other. You know, when you've got a player like A.J. Brown, he can overcome not great volume because he is so talented. And then there's other players uh, who are getting by because of volume and are not that talented themselves. Tyreek Hill, you know, talent. You can even throw the quarterback element in there too, where just Patrick Mahomes is just on fire throwing to Tyreek Hill recently. So everything is there. Obviously, you're not going to not start Tyreek Hill, but he is probably uh, a number one or number two in terms of wide receivers you want to play right now. Now, 
a guy who you would think was number one, maybe if you're coming into the season, Mike Thomas. Michael Thomas is back. He's got Taysom Hill as his quarterback. Uh, he has produced hardly at all in the last three. In fact, amongst the top 25 uh, in rock the last three weeks, he has the second fewest points scored, and that's only in front of Denzel Mims. Uh, and we know who's throwing the ball to him as well. So he's ro- the Rock's biggest underperformer uh, based on the expected points per game going forward with that volume. That's six points under expectation. But at the same time, he's second in Rock. And Jeff, I mean, he's owning a staggering and very nice 69% air yard share. Uh, and Taysom Hill leading the Saints by throwing the ball to Michael Thomas when he can. 51% is the next closest air yard share, and that's DJ Moore. So 38% air yard share, or sorry, target share is first in the league for Michael Thomas, also tied for second in red zone target. So the volume is all there. We know the talent's there. I mean, I feel like we're just waiting on a massive, massive, like 152 touchdown game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too concerned, uh, especially, I mean, I could see it happening this week against Atlanta. Agreed. No, Atlanta's mean, definitely been playing better, but they're still not a talented secondary and I mean Taysom you know after kind of shaking out the, the shaking some rust or butterflies off in the first half he actually settled in pretty well that first game against Atlanta yes he didn't look good against Denver but I mean I think I think he'll be fine and uh you know I, I do think both of them could actually have pretty strong games this week I absolutely love the Atlanta um the Atlanta New Orleans stack uh we're gonna talk about that when we get to the DFS preview um, and yeah, Taysom Hill, I mean, people are going to look at last week and they'll say, okay, so now we've got two straight weeks where Taysom Hill has been purely a rushing quarterback, right? 10 carries each week, four, Tim, 44, Tim 49 Tebow yards, esque. and then Tim Tebow-esque, four rushing touchdowns, two in each week. But this is the thing. In that first game against Atlanta, he threw for 233 yards, almost 80% completion percentage. He looked good as a passer. You know, he didn't throw a touchdown. He, did, he didn't last week either, but um, I think he had one called back, but... The, the good news is that we know that Taysom Hill is capable of throwing the ball. And we know that he is heavily, he, heavily He just can't throw Michael it to Thomas. Alvin Kamara. He just won't throw it to Alvin Kamara. So I think Taysom Hill's a good start this yeah. week. I, I'm, way, Thomas, I'm way, way more concerned about Taysom Hill for Alvin Kamara's fantasy stock than I am Michael Thomas. Totally agree. Um, also, one player you mentioned in this conversation is Denzel Mims. Um, mm-hmm. as you, you know, he said he is the second biggest underperformer by our rock metric. I mean, I think you could probably fire him up as a wide receiver three this week. I mean, there's the opportunity. Oh, I, I like Mims. Yeah. I mean, I think the opportunity is there, um, for a young player who, you know, has shown also shown the flashes and had some injuries, but I mean, I think he's probably worked his way into wide receiver three territory right now. Yeah, I mean, he's got eight targets in the last three three weeks, uh, and he's actually doing something with them too. Like they're typically uh, higher eight dot passes, uh, but he's also his floor the last three weeks has been sixty yards receiving. Now his ceiling has been seventy one, so it's really limited, I suppose, right now. But he's he's typically like making an amazing catch and then going out of bounds, or making an amazing catch and then shoestring tackle. So I feel good about Denzel Mims really coming into his own at the end of his rookie year. I feel good about him as a dynasty buy, uh, like I do with most rookies at this point. Um, but yeah, totally agree, Jeff. I think he's a, a strong DFS play too. Um, I'll talk a little bit about him in a secondary stack fashion in a little bit. 
Um, another rock name to mention here, Jeff, is Dallas Goddard. So Dallas or Goddard, Goddard sneakily, if you're French. Or Goddard, if you will. Uh, sneakily lands at 25th in rock thanks to a healthy and balanced role plus a big week 12. Which so he's like me on edge at all. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Basically the only bright spot in that game. Um, he, he was seventh in rock in week 12. And if we're just looking at that week and, and 25th in the last three weeks, Zach Ertz is returning soon. But I got to say, Jeff, just like I did coming into the season, I still like Goddard. Or Goddard, you fucked me up now. <laughs> like Rudy Gobert. Uh, I still like Goddard as a low end tight end one. Once Zach Ertz gets back, I like him more than that without Zach Ertz in the lineup. Uh, and he's definitely a sneaky DFS pick. Like this guy is definitely the most talented uh, in that tight end room. I think at this point he's clear. He's probably the most talented offensive weapon they have. And he's also on the field constantly. Like we've talked about Jeff. He's such a good blocker that they continue to use him as a blocker. But that's okay because he's still very efficient with his with his uh, receiving opportunities. I feel really good about him going forward rest of the season. How about you? Yeah. Um, I think besides the obvious state of the quarterback situation, um, I absolutely think Goddard is a better player than Zach Ertz right now. Uh, and I think he is way more deserving of targets than Zach Ertz. My only concern is who will Wentz lock onto. Um, he has had a tendency in the past to still lock onto Ertz, even when Goddard is also playing and clearly the better option. But um, yeah, I, I also don't think the ceiling is there with Ertz at all. He really has not been able to do anything with the ball in his hands for a while. So yes, I do still like Goddard as a tight end one, especially with how bad the like tight end situation is across the league right now I mean, for fans. Totally. Yeah. I mean, going all the way back to week one, when both Goddard and Ertz were healthy, he had eight catches, 101 yards and a touchdown on nine targets, uh, eight, eight targets the following week and then injured in week three. And then since his return from injury in, in, uh, in, well, he returned in, in week eight, barely, <laughs> but, um, basically the last two weeks, he's averaging six catches, 76 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. That's great, great stuff for, for any player, but especially a tight end. So yeah, I feel great about, um, Dallas Goddard going forward and, you know, hopefully we're not wrong on that one because obviously it really matters at this point. Um, an interesting position group that has, I think, overall underperformed this year, despite in some cases some good volume, especially for Cooper Cup, is obviously, like I, like I was alluding to, the, the Los Angeles Rams wide receiver. So Robert Woods, all of a sudden, Jeff, is 22nd in rock the last three weeks. Meanwhile, Cooper Cup is sliding a bit, lands at 34th in rock. Um, and now Bobby Trees is back and balling 28% target share, which is eighth in that time period over uh, Cup's 21%. For the record, I like both. It's encouraging that they're both now in the mid-tier wide receiver two range. We know Cup is going to outproduce his opportunity generally as long as he's healthy. And Robert Woods was seeing way too low a volume, but it is on the uptick now. So, um, you know, Cup has a really, really good matchup this week. Arizona uh, has been torched by slot receivers. It's just a, a known fact at this point. They have not been good against slot receivers and Cup plays a lot in the slot. So I like Cup this week, but I just got to say, I mean, it's finally looking like Bobby Tree's time where he's going to see that mid-tier wide receiver two volume again, Jeff. Uh, am I am I right in this assessment about the Rams wide receivers? 
I think so. Um, I'm always going to lean for Bobby Trees over Cup. I just because I do think he's a better athlete and better player. Um, and I mean, even then, Sean McVay he he gets the guys around the formation a bit, and and he gets Robert Woods involved in the run game. So definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, in twenty-seven percent slot rate for Woods on the season is also still solid. So, um, and obviously, I can see Cup having a better week because it does happen. But I'm still just always going to go with Woods over Cup. My, um, you know, rest of season is just Golf has not been good. He is, and as we've said, Golf is. He's very volatile when he's on and things around him are going well. Like that offense, he's got that offense humming as good as anyone in the league, but he can also just put up duds. And lately he's been putting up duds. I mean, his, I, if you follow me on Twitter, you see, I put these charts up that are um, 300 play rolling average of the quarterback's efficiency. And right now golf is down at like 10th percentile. He's, you know, barely above Carson Wentz lately. Not great. Um, I do think, though, that they'll be fine. Um, you know, small hands golf. I don't know. Maybe weather had a little bit of to do with it. But, I mean, Cardinals this week should be fine. Patriots, who knows? Then there's the Jets, and then the Seahawks. So, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think in general with this offense and with the established rapport they have and obviously the talent for both these receivers, you can feel pretty good about them exceeding their expectations or at least uh, doing more with volume than an average player would. So, I mean, Cup comes in at the, as the 10th uh, biggest over producer in the last three weeks and Robert Woods is ninth. So that really is not surprising to me at all. I didn't even know that before I just checked it out. But that's like 100 percent what you expect from these players at this point. So um, keep firing them up. Um, last one, Jeff. So obviously, you know, you, you were on the Devonte Parker bandwagon coming into the week and in, coming into the year. I was, uh, I was going in favor of Preston Williams that obviously hasn't quite worked out with the variety of injuries and other factors. Um, but Devonte Parker the last three weeks is now seventh in rock. And one of the reasons that I'm still a little trepidatious about him is just the quarterback uncertainty. I mean, we could have two as soon as this week, we could have Ryan Fitzpatrick the rest of the season. Ryan Fitzpatrick was already benched for Tua to, you know, they're, they're evaluating Tua to see if they need to go after a quarterback in this draft. I mean, who, it's just so up in the air. And I think that does play an impact uh, on Devontae Parker, who is a talented player, but I still think that he needs pretty decent volume to be uh, in the wide receiver two conversation. So, Jeff, what is your stance on Devontae Parker now that he is seeing some really good volume again? Um, it's what you mentioned with Fitz and Tua. If Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback, I think Devontae Parker is a top 15 wide receiver. If Tua is the quarterback, I don't even rank him as a wide receiver too. Um, they obviously, he and Fitz have the rapport. We saw what they did together last year um, down the stretch. So they have the rapport and Fitz is a lot more trusting when there's not a ton of separation just to throw the ball up and let the receiver, you know, make the play. Tua, he's, I mean, look, when he was at Alabama, they had four wide receivers who could basically, uh, at least one of them was going to be able to separate and create like several yards worth of space. Like Tua could, he, he, 
wait for the player to separate. And he even said that how he's kind of like, if guys not open, I'll, I'll look for someone else instead of like, you know, either throwing a player open or it, it just doesn't seem to quite have the, either the trust to just toss up and let the player go get it slash the anticipation where the players, you know, just, you know, barely open to make the play while they get a little more, make the throw while they're getting a little more open. So if Fitz is the quarterback, I think Parker is top 15. Um, if it is Tua, I think he is a high ceiling wide receiver three. And they, one last thing I want to mention is they have talked more about getting Parker in um, slot reps, which I think would raise his floor and ceiling no matter who is quarterback, because that could also, you know, push his target rate even higher. Yeah, uh, I think you said it really well, Jeff. I think I'm definitely on the same side as you is that if Fitz is the quarterback, I feel much better about Devontae Parker. I'm not quite as high on him as you are, but at the same time, we're seeing him, uh, you know, rock star territory, top 10 in uh, rock score over the last three weeks. So that is, that bodes very well for him. Um, all right, so let's move on now, Jeff, to some rest of season questions, um, meaning we want to talk about these guys from a rest of season standpoint, and um, you know that involves mainly playoffs at this point. So um, the first one is a the big dog and a guy who's just absolutely erupting to no one's surprise towards the winter months, Dehember. Uh, can anyone stop Derrick Henry, Jeff? Is he the number one running back overall rest of season? think so um i mean it's between if christian mccaffrey is healthy well i mean he doesn't play this week because it's a bye if mccaffrey is healthy i think it's him otherwise it is between henry and dalvin and i'm leaning henry the schedule is a lot nicer and dalvin is you know just a little banged up and he's gonna play but uh you know you're just hearing like yep you know well he got his ankle rolled up on this past weekend which you know, it happens, uh, but, you know, Henry's just seems to be as like as durable as it gets. So, and, you know, we all know the tale of Derrick Henry in December. So Christian McCaffrey, if he's healthy, Derrick Henry, otherwise. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Henry's season totals right now are already like insane. 256 carries, 1,257 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns, averaging 4.9 yards per carry. Um you know, obviously still like no real receiving role to speak of. I think the, you know, one to two catches a week is fine. I mean, that's just a free point if you're in PPR league. So that's fun. But I mean, he's had uh, over 100 yards rushing each of the last three weeks, and it's only getting better. 103, 133, 178 last week against Indy. And obviously that included three first half rushing touchdowns. Honestly, can't believe he didn't go for like 308 touchdowns. Like Jarrett, what is it? Jarrett Patterson from UB mm-hmm. <laughs> from Buffalo. Um yeah, he almost went full Patterson there. But anyway, okay, so I think we're in lockstep there on Derrick Henry. Um, Will Fuller erupted in Week 12 to no one's surprise. I mean, he's a great player. He's got a great quarterback, and he is uh, you know, very capable of putting up big weeks. Then he gets suspended for six games. So now Will Fuller is completely off the 2020 fantasy radar. It's very unfortunate. You know, he was at the having an amazing season, really, really, really panned out. Um, I, you know, I feel very strong about my stance being correct about buying, buying him um, above market value. But unfortunately, this is the way it goes. And obviously, that was for PEDs, I should mention. Um, he was 20th in rock in the last three weeks, and he vacates 34% of the air yards over that time. Now, we know Randall Cobb's on the shelf. 
the uh, apparently the corpse of Kiki Kuti is is back for however long he can stay healthy. So that leaves Brandon Cooks. So Jeff is Brandon Cooks now clearly the number one wide receiver for Deshaun Watson. Is he a borderline wide receiver one rest of season or is that too high? He's a, he's a wide receiver one. Absolutely. I mean, I was considering him borderline wide receiver one, um, even before, uh, fuller, well, probably more like a high end wide receiver two with the, you know, high weekly ceiling. So now I definitely have him slotted in as a wide receiver one. Um, I also just have to mention this one, uh, quote I saw from Drew Dinkmeyer earlier this week. It was, they need to get whoever made the Will Fuller hamstring vaccine and move them over to the COVID-19 vaccine ASAP. No kidding, man. I think it was, there was a bunch of good tweets about how whatever Will Fuller was taking, everyone needs to take because it made it made him stay healthy for the first time in his career. Uh, it, it was it's quite something, you know, an unfortunate situation, but it is what it is. And now, you know, looking at uh, Brandon Cook's recent weeks. He hasn't had amazing volume. It's not something you're like, oh, my God, this is going to go from good to great or great to elite. Uh, but I think it's going to go to good or or great very soon. I mean, he was uh, after week five, he had in week five. He had eight for 161 and touchdowns, obviously his peak for the year. That was on 12 targets. Since then, he's seen nine, 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 eight, five and five target totals. Uh, obviously, he is a capable a player, very capable of. Uh, getting air yards as well. He just hasn't quite been that kind of player in Houston this year. So I don't know. I mean, I think the reason I pointed out that uh, Will Fuller vacates 34% of air yards is that the hope is that Brandon Cook's target share and air yard share both go up and, you know, use that really speedy little skill set he's got going on there. So anyway, uh, you know, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, Jeff. I just want to get this on record as well. Do you think it's a good idea to hold on to George Kittle if you are a playoff team? Uh, you know, you might be able to stash him on an IR spot, but let's just say you can't, let's say you've got him, uh, on your bench. I know you expressed some, uh, some pessimism on him coming back this year. Uh, what are your thoughts, George Kittle? Oh yeah. Um, in there's four weeks to go at this point. I mean, I, I think it's completely fine to hold Kittle on your bench unless it's the shallowest of benches, but I mean, you could hold you, you know who players are at this point. There's very few players that you're like holding for speculation aside from some handcuffs. Um, you could hold two defenses right now if you're trying to get prepared for like the matchups. If you're like, okay, I want this defense for weeks 14 and um, 16, and then this one for week 15, like that's completely okay in my, in my opinion for if you're locked in for the playoffs and trying to maximize your, you know, your upside. And I mean, even if he only plays week 16, Hey, um, you win your first two games, like that could be the move that won you the championship. So absolutely be stashing him on your bench. Yeah. And I think the, the last part is, is the key there, Jeff. I mean, if, when, if he comes back, when he comes back, it will be at the end of the season. It'll be right in time to help you win, uh, either the championship or the semifinals or both. Um, so I, I think that warrants consideration again, unless you have the, the shallowest of benches. Uh, and if you've got an IR spot, I mean, he should already be there if he was any in any way available. Um, okay, Jeff, another guy that we've talked a good bit about on this show is Kenyon Drake. Now, Kenyon Drake, I I would say, you know, going back, you know, just a week or so, I was still on on the side of things where I'm like, I think Chase Evans is going to take over this job. 
I don't think you can trust Kenny and Drake. I don't think you should be having him. I think you should try to sell him. Well, guess what? He's had a solid run since returning from injury. And I think what bodes very well for Kenny Drake's stock is that he has eight targets in those last three games since coming out from injury. Uh, and he only had seven in the previous seven games to start the year. So that is a very significant uh, update for him and his role because that was previously going to Chase Edmonds. I mean, Chase Edmonds had a really, really healthy receiving role. Even though he wasn't getting great uh, rushing volume, he was really efficient with that too. So Chase Edmonds was like the better play for a while. Now Kenny Drake's getting the touchdowns. He's getting receiving work. So what are your thoughts on Kenny Drake? I mean, I'm still pessimistic here. I still do not trust him, but I can't deny the volume and the touchdowns. I still do not trust him a ton, but the Cardinals do. Um, they clearly did not see enough in Chase Edmonds to give him the job, which means Chase Edmonds, I think, as long as he's healthy, looks to be locked in as the main running back with Chase Edmonds as the pass down slash breather back. So I think Drake is a running back too for the rest of the season. In regards to the uptick in receiving work, I do not trust that. And the reason I don't is because we saw this uptick coincide with Kyler's shoulder injury. Kyler now only has five rushes each of the last two games compared to that being, you know, double digits sometimes. So what I'm thinking is that, you know, some of these rushes that Kyler has are now being translated into dump offs to Kenyon Drake. So it's not so much a indication of improve, you know, in, improvement in the receiving skill, for Drake or anything where they're just trying to scheme him the ball and passing. I think it's more Kyler is a little bit injured. So to protect himself, he is, you know, jumping it off to Drake instead of uh, running himself. And that I do not trust because I think once Kyler is healthier, whether it's this week or next, that receiving work might evaporate. But the bulk of the rushing work is going to be Drake's for the rest of the season, I believe. Yeah. Okay. I, th I think that's a pretty fair, uh, fair take to have at this point. Um, you know, we know that this Arizona offense is, is, is a gold mine for whoever is playing running back back there, including Kyler Murray. <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll leave it there on Kenny Drake in Arizona. So let's finish it off with uh, one more backfield split. And that is in Green Bay. Now, everyone knows Aaron Jones at this point. If you don't, you know, you're under a rock. Uh, he's a super, you know, super efficient, super explosive. Uh, however, he fantasy wise, he has been typically dependent on either Devontae Adams, not in the lineup, in which case he usually feasts as a receiver or being uh, touchdown dependent. Now, we know that he has big play potential, but we haven't really seen any of those for a few months, honestly. I mean, he's been injured and then he hasn't really been erupting that much. The volume has been OK, but all of a sudden, Jeff, Jamal Williams, here he is again. I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I did a complete 180 on Jamal Williams after being very down on him the past couple of years because he wasn't the player that he is right now. Right now, he's a very efficient and uh, explosive player with the football. He runs people over. This is the kind of thunder and lightning approach that I think Green Bay envisioned and one reason they stuck with him um, or stu uh, you know stood by him, I should say, uh, when he was one of the least efficient players in the league. So Jamal Williams has uh, 17 carries, 73 yards, and a touchdown in Week 12. They obviously trust Jamal Williams. Uh, as a runner, they know they can trust him as a receiver, and we already knew that. So Aaron Jones hasn't scored. Uh, he's only scored one touchdown in the last four weeks, 
and Devontae Adams is healthy, so we know this receiving role is nothing, you know, super great to write home about. What are your thoughts on Aaron Jones? I mean, I kind of think that he's like mid-tier RB2. I don't feel like he is the RB1 that people are, uh, you know, that people were expecting coming into the year, and that's not what I was expecting either. I was pretty down on Aaron Jones. So what do you think? I'm not that concerned. Um, I think the Bears, what we saw was more of a, hey, we have this game in the bag. They were just up early. The Bears' defense without Akeem Hicks could not stop the run game whatsoever. And, you know, because Jones had been probably a little bit banged up, like, all right, that's, you know, almost just, you know, give him the night off. Not exactly the night off, but, you know, the, the game was in the back. Look back two weeks ago against the Colts, and it was almost all Jones. I think Jamal Williams had five carries, I believe, when I checked earlier. I mean, five carries is almost nothing. And that was a game that was very close and that they lost 34-31. So I really think this was more of a, hey, the – you know, we don't really need to tax him that much as keep him fresh and healthy. So I do think in closer games, it will be Aaron Jones. I still think he's a running back one. I guess if you wanted to, if my hypothesis is more correct, though, the next two games are Detroit and Philly, and we could find ourselves in the same situation where, hey, they're up by three scores early. But um, I, I don't know. I, I still think Aaron Jones is definitely an RB1. There's no chance that you're sitting him. So. Yeah, you're definitely not sitting him. You know, you've probably already invested enough to make sure that he's in your lineup, regardless, as long as he's healthy. Um, but okay, so we'll we'll circle back on that one then. Um, I think it's time, Jeff, to talk about our DFS preview now, and we're going to start as we always do with some favorite stacks this week. And so, why don't you kick us off with your f- number one favorite stack? Well, if you want to get a little bit unconventional, you could stack Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. Love two that of, top two. two. Of the- yeah, top two rushers in the NFL. Like, um, I mean, that's just a very unconventional stack, but I personally say go for it. Um, as I just kind kind of alluded to, why not do Packers Eagles? Throw in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, in as bad as once is bad, like he has still put up some pretty good fantasy numbers. Not that I'm really looking to play him, but you could, but Aaron Rodgers. The issue with Devontae Adams is that he's just so expensive, but then the runback options for the Eagles are a little bit cheaper. I mean, or hey, maybe you pivot to Alan Lazard, who Ronnie Sannon, friend of the show, has proclaimed a top ten wide receiver. <laughs> uh, we always give him crap for that one, but hey, he's a pretty he's a pretty good player though. I know I just I don't think anyone would say he's top ten. Um, yeah, no, I, I I agree on both those. Uh, another, I guess, a little bit more off the beaten path is Chicago and Detroit. I mean, I think most people are looking at Detroit as uh, DeAndre Swift when he's healthy and Kennedy Holiday when he's healthy. And, you know, besides that, there's TJ Hawkinson. You're not really that excited about anything else. Uh, but I disagree. And, you know, with Chicago, obviously, the quarterback carousel back there has been something to monitor. But Allen Robinson is back in the mix. And David Montgomery just had probably the best game of his career in terms of efficiency, explosiveness, um, really, really strong performance. And he gets, you know, whether that's a fluke or not, the point is he gets the best, most friendly run defense to go against in this week uh, against Detroit. So I think Chicago-Detroit is an interesting one. You can go with uh, David Montgomery, TJ Hawkinson, Marvin Jones uh, in terms of your skill positions there. And obviously Stafford would be the quarterback. Uh, Post-Patricia world is is looking up for Detroit Lions and Detroit Lions fans. I think that'll probably carry over into the fantasy world a little bit as well. So, um, well then I'll just, I guess I'll just snake draft it here. 
and I'll go with another one. And this is probably the chalkiest one. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's chalky names, but just the fact that Taysom Hill is coming off uh, such a poor passing performance last week, I think that it'll depress some of the ownership, which is why I'm a big fan of it. And so I like the New Orleans Atlanta stack where you go Taysom, Michael Thomas, and then Calvin Ridley. Uh, you can obviously mix and match a little bit there, but I really like Michael Thomas this week, as do you, Jeff. And Taysom Hill, I think, can still put up a really strong fantasy day, even if he doesn't uh, pass any better. Yeah. Um, going back to Chicago real quick, Mitch Trubisky, he throws three touchdowns every single time that he plays the Lions. And I'm oh, yeah. pretty sure that the week he was in the Million Maker lineup, or one of, I think he was actually in it twice, but I think he was. Uh, played Detroit when he was in the million maker winning lineup. So you can make Trubisky your main quarterback there as well. Um, second one I, I kind of like too is the LA Rams and the Cardinals. Um, I think Jared Goff is going to be extremely low owned because as I mentioned, he has just been bad, but also if you mentioned Woods and cup, still fantastic players. Um, I think you could even sprinkle a little bit of Cam Akers in because he, uh, I mean, he had the best performance in that backfield. So if he, you know, if they decide to make him the feature back, he could also go off. But primarily, I think either Goff or Kyler, um, and the receiving options there are, you know, really good. Um, I mean, I think they in both teams have those cheap dart throw tight ends that find the end zone here and there. If you wanted to get like a double stack or, you know, just a very differentiated bring back. Um, I, I do think that the tight ends for these teams are also in play, especially if Higby's out. I, I don't remember what his injury status is, but if Higby is out, that makes Gerald Everett very attractive. Yep, very true. Uh, well, I'll wrap up my, my part of this, at least, with uh, a couple quick hitters here. And that's uh, obviously, you know, anytime you're talking about Seattle and DFS, it's going to be expensive, but it's going to probably be worth it. Um, I like a Russ DK slash Lockett and Evan Ingram stack. And the reason I'm throwing this out there is because I've been saying buy Evan Ingram, buy Evan Ingram. Well, he had a huge week 12. Uh, looks really explosive, getting pretty good volume. Uh, you know, again, tight end position. The state of it is just really, really poor right now. So, um I like Evan Ingram in that stack if you're going to do it. And then two uh, secondary stacks. You already mentioned Tennessee and Cleveland. You were saying Henry and and Nick Chubb. Well, I also want to point out that you can go Henry and Jarvis, which is a little bit more of a game script play there, especially because Tennessee is favored by almost a touchdown. Um, and, you know, we know Henry's going to feast basically regardless. But Jarvis Landry's seen some really good volume, had his best game of the season last week, I believe. Uh, and then a cheap secondary stack you could also go is the New York Jets and Las Vegas Raiders. I like going with Mims and Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker, obviously, because Josh Jacobs was ruled out today on Friday. So uh, Denzel Mims seeing great volume. Devontae Booker has flashed this year, including in week 10, where he had 16 carries, 81 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, also has had, you know, a couple catches mixed in here and there, even with Josh Jacobs healthy. So. Uh, I like Devontae Booker as that free square type play where he's going to be really cheap, pretty high ownership, but makes you uh, free up a lot of space elsewhere. So you could you could do a more expensive stack and then pair this as a cheap secondary stack. So any final thoughts on favorite stacks for this week, Jeff? We've basically not, talked about every game. Not so. a stack, <laughs> but but Anthony Ferkser. 
tight end for the uh, Titans. Johnny Smith has been ruled out the last time that happened. I think Ferkser found the end zone twice. Uh, he, he went off. So, so no Johnny Smith this week. Um, I also think Ferkser either is part of that Tennessee Cleveland game stack that we've just discussed or just tossing him in there at $2,500 as a, you know, I mean, you can't really get any cheaper than $2,500. So, uh, you know, you plug him in at tight end and just fill the rest of your lineup however you want. So Anthony Ferkser is kind of like your lock button tight end of the week. Yep. I like that as well. Um, all right. Are we good to create a lineup, Jeff? Oh, yes. Let me uh, pull it up. One thing is it is not up to date with that uh, John New as thing that I just mentioned. But who do you want at quarterback? I think we go Taysom Hill. Taysom, Steve Old. And then how about I'll do one and uh, I'll do one with the secondary game stack of Vegas and the Jets hoping for that, uh, for that Mims, Devontae Booker look there. And then Cleveland and Tennessee as another one. Okay. Taysom Hill, Derek Henry, Kareem Hunt. Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Hayden Hurst, Anthony Miller, and the Seahawks defense. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm still getting uh, some Josh Jacobs, so we'll obviously update that with mm-hmm. uh, you know the injury news that came out earlier today. Yeah, I'll but... update it again tomorrow, most likely. Um, might act either tomorrow, like first thing in the morning or afternoon, and then absolutely around 10 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock on Sunday as usual. Yeah, good stuff. I um, mean, you could do something such as Taysom Hill, Devontae Booker, James Robinson, Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, and then Denzel Mims. You can pay up at tight end at that point and then probably get a pretty pretty good uh, price flex as well. So um, that's, that's, that's one of the ones that I'll be looking at this week. Um, I think we got some good stuff here, though, Jeff. I actually feel much, much better about DFS this week than I do about the bets. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I just want to get something or two little things out here in terms of favorite standalone plays. Uh, I already mentioned David Montgomery. Just want to reiterate that. And I think if you want, uh, you can do a secondary stack, David Montgomery, and then also Marvin Jones, who has seen great volume without Kenny Galladay. And Kenny Galladay is not expected to be back in the lineup once again. So Marvin Jones is a pretty solid secondary stack option there. Maybe even a standalone if you just want to get exposure to him, because we know this guy has like four touchdown, hundred yard upside. It happens like once a year. Uh, and maybe this is the week. Um, and then one other one is if you were playing San- Sunday night football uh, showdown, then you are going to be looking at the Kansas city game. Uh, I think Clyde Edwards, Elair is a pretty strong captain option. Everyone is going to be looking at Tyreek Hill and that explosion. And obviously Travis Kelsey uh, on pace for another amazing, amazing season. Patrick Mahomes, very worthy of your MVP slot. But, you know, when I play showdown, I usually look for differentiation because I'm playing in bigger tournaments. And so Clyde edwards Lair is obviously a great share of that offense. You can still capture some pass game upside, but this looks to be a run-heavy game script. And when that's been the case, Clyde edwards Lair has had his best season, best games of the season. So uh, this seems like it's a pretty good week to play him. Any thoughts on uh, other, any other favorite plays, Jeff? Nope, uh, pretty much got him. We'll see what other injury news we get. Um, if DeAndre Swift is healthy and plays, 
I do like him. I mean, either as a standalone, as part of that Chicago Detroit game stack. Um, we saw what happened to the Bears defense with no Akeem Hicks. I don't think he's playing again this week. So uh, that would could lead to a really big game on the ground for the Detroit offense. Very true. Uh, Adrian Peterson, maybe? I mean, if, if Swift is out, then I don't mind getting a little bit of exposure to him by any means. Yeah, I mean, pretty decent volume last week, two touchdowns. So uh, there's still some life in those old legs. Um, all right, Jeff, let's talk about some best bets here. And I'll just say this to start. I really don't really, I don't like this slate this week. Uh, I, there's not any bets that really scream like, oh yeah, I love this this week. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I need to not bet this week. I don't know. Uh, I just had a bad night at the casino. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just positions don't 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 jump out to me this week. And you know, I may just make a favorites parlay. Uh, try to man- manufacture some even money. So if I went with Vikings who are favored by ten points, Dolphins, Seattle, and Las Vegas money uh, parlay all those money lines. You get even money. So. If you're feeling like you want to put something out there uh, and you don't like the slate like I don't, um, then that's something you can do. I think Minnesota minus 10 versus Jacksonville is, is an interesting bet. Obviously, just had a narrow victory against Carolina, but I think Carolina is much better than their record would indicate. Uh, we know that that's a pretty solid team, very, very capable of beating p- people. Um, and Jacksonville is still starting Mike Lennon. So it's a 10-point spread that's pretty big. Uh, definitely room for some backdoor action there, but I think that Minnesota is probably the best bet of that bunch. Uh, what say you, Jeff? What are you looking at this week in terms of bets? Um, I like the Bills as underdogs. Totally, yeah. Otherwise, I this is a if I I would build a four legged teaser. So I'm just gonna give you the lines and then you subtract six from them. So, like part one, Steelers minus seven against the football team, so you get them at minus one. Um. Packers at minus eight and a half. Uh, Seahawks at minus 11 and Dolphins at minus 10 and a half. So, so Dolphins at minus four and a half. Uh, Seahawks at minus five. Packers minus two and a half. And then Steelers minus seven in, or minus one in the teaser. Four legs. Good stuff. I like that too. Um, all right, Jeff. We've got a very special team playing on Monday Night Football, and it is not the San Francisco 49ers. It is the Buffalo Bills. So let's move on and and wrap up here the with our Phoenix, Bills prediction Phoenix segment. Phoenix 49ers. The Phoenix 49ers, yeah, obviously. In case you haven't heard, San Francisco 49ers are now playing in the Cardinal Stadium due to uh, updated COVID protocols in California. Um, and so this is the later of the Monday Night Football doubleheader. That's obviously the Bills-San Francisco game. Uh, 49ers are favored by a point, so it's basically a pick them. I'm definitely picking Buffalo in this one. I feel pretty strongly that the Bills are the better team. They've got the better quarterback. I think they've got a really good defense that is finally starting to play like it. Um, I'm picking Buffalo to keep rolling. Now, in week 12, you know, we didn't talk about week 12 yet for the Bills, but, you know, we saw another up and down win for Buffalo. Uh, it's an early lead versus the Chargers, kind of like we were expecting. I think they're a more talented team. And then, LA plays pretty well in catch-up mode. Uh, and that early lead held despite three consecutive turnover drives in the fourth quarter for the Bills. That is a concern. I mean, that was some really, really sloppy football for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, not something that you want to see as we get later and later in the season and approach playoffs, which they seem destined to be making at this point, uh, barring some monumental collapse. I feel good about the Bills going to the playoffs. 
we need to clean up those turnovers and and play a cleaner game start to finish if we're going to actually make some noise in the postseason so jeff my prediction for week 13 is to go from nine and three uh sorry excuse me eight and three um to nine and three and i like buffalo to win 23 to 17 which is a little lower scoring than they're projecting but i think I think these defenses are playing pretty well. What are your thoughts on this week 13 matchup for the Bills? Um, well, I just love how we can win by 10 points now and consider that to be disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like win by yep. 10 and cover the spread. I'm like, oh, that was such a letdown. Like, I don't know. I, I the, the turnovers, I mean, two of them were fumbles, so I kind of just didn't care. Like those aren't usually that consistent and we usually don't feature the running back that much. So you know, I found it just more of a nuisance than like an um, worrisome. Uh, for this game, I think it'll be really interesting to see how the 49ers run the ball and how the Bills respond. Obviously, the 49ers have one of, if not the best run game and scheme in the league year in and year out. Shanahan is just you know fantastic that way. And the Bills are... You know, that is the weakness of their defense is stopping the run. So it could uh, be a game where Shanahan just like if they're able to go for like six, seven yards per carry and break a couple of big ones. Um, I mean, that wouldn't be great. But given the quarterback situation right now for San Francisco, I could see the Bills. um, um just focusing more on stopping the run than we usually do since, you know, usually stopping the pass is our first priority, but the 49ers don't really have that strong downfield threat. Not to say that Ayuk and Debo can't, but that's just not how they're usually used. So I think Buffalo can mitigate a lot of the strengths, like, or the relative strength to weakness by, you know, worrying more about the run in the short game than we typically do. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not that worried. Um, I, I think we'll be fine. Uh, I mean, Josh is going to do his thing. No Bosa and uh, the injuries on the defense don't have me that concerned. So um, 23-17 sounds reasonable. I like the Bills to get 27 or 30 this week, though. Okay. I mean, def- I would definitely take that. That would be more in line with the Vegas projected uh, point total. Uh, I just think that this is probably going to be a lower scoring affair. Um, we know that, you know, Sala and this 49ers defense – uh, injuries or not is is a formidable opponent. So I think that the Bills are a good bet to win this week. Anyway, hopefully the momentum continues. And, you know, we haven't uh, had a big, big winner in the past couple of weeks, Jeff. But I hope we have a profitable weekend here as we, you know, you know, have another uh, chance at DFS big money. So uh, any final thoughts for you going into week 13? No, uh, let's let's have another profitable weekend. And I am glad to finally make and my playoff job in the home league. Yeah. Yep. That was uh, well-deserved long overdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good After stuff there, Jeff. Some absolute worst breaks the last few years. Yeah. They finally, fi- you, things you... finally broke my way. <laughs> well, good stuff. Congratulations to you. Hopefully a lot of our listeners are on their way to the fantasy playoffs. Uh, obviously, you know, we want you guys to be doing well and hopefully we're helping you do that. So, uh, reminder to check out the rock score on the website, contestacatch.com forward slash ROC and the DFS optimizer tool before you submit lineups on Sunday. That's contestacatch.com forward slash DFS. With that said, good luck to you all. We appreciate you tuning in and we will hope to catch you next time.